Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human Podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone, my name is Jackie Ford and as you know, I am the host of the Unashamedly Human podcast. I'm also a coach and um, this human being who has managed to have three beautiful, tenacious daughters and find a husband who actually loves my craziness. You know, this week I thought it would be nice for you guys just to get to know me a little bit more. I know you hear me giggle and I know you hear me ask many questions of the guests that I've had on the show. And this week it just occurred to me that what I'd like to do is just to settle into a beautiful space with you and just be. So I've started this recording and I haven't a clue what I'm going to be talking about. And I love that. I love resting in that space of (laughs) really not knowing, not knowing what's going to happen, what's going to come out of my mouth. And for years that used to frighten me. It used to frighten me that I was scared that I could say something that was out of turn or that somebody would take offence or I wouldn't sound clever or my bosses would think I was stupid. So as a result of that, I used to closely control when I spoke and when I didn't speak. So to be resting in a space right now of, I really don't care what comes out of my mouth. I really don't because when I'm in this space, I know that the only things that could possibly come from me are loving and kind. It's, <laughs> it's just such a beautiful space to, to live your life from. And I am so grateful for this understanding um, known as the three principles. Now, people go all up in their head about, you know, what are these three principles? Um, and what do they do? And how do they work? And how do I live my life by them? And honestly, they're just kind of like a, a guide. They're a description, a description how, of how you and, and I work as human beings, of how we create our experience in the moment, of what thought actually means or doesn't mean. (laughs) And that's about it. When we strip away all of who we're not, we're left with who we are. And I hope that the podcasts and interviews that I'm doing with people are helping you see that a little bit more clearly. So as I said, I'm in this space just now of just enjoying being and talking and, you know, not really caring if this conversation has a direction or if it doesn't. 
And something has just popped into my mind and it's something that happened to me the other day there and, and it really, it really showed me how much I've changed over the years. I had recorded um, a podcast with someone about a year ago and I hadn't made it live. I hadn't put it out there. It's just a sweet little podcast lasted 30 minutes or so. And I had quite a lot of podcasts in my my podcast bank, as I call it, because I like to have have them all ready to go out in case some weeks I can't actually interview people because of my schedule. And I wrote to this person and I said, oh, I'm going to make your podcast live this week. Um, I hope that's okay. Uh, here's the graphics and um, thank you. Thank you for being a guest. And in return, I received um, a voicemail f- from this, this person. And it was quite an accusatory <laughs> message, which you know was really curious to me. I-, I just thought, I don't know where this is coming from. And in this message, this person told me that they felt that I had been very dismissive with um, people's experience. And that uh, this person understood that, yeah, it is all thought. And, you know, I, I, I was right, but in the same essence, I, I was wrong to do that. And the old me would have reacted to that because it actually felt like an attack. And I don't think anybody likes to feel that feeling of of you're being, you know, sort of attacked by another human being when you're coming from, from a nice space. And I was driving when I listened to this voicemail message and I just thought, well, okay, I'm going to listen in and see if I can hear what she's hearing. I just, I got curious. So I listened again to the podcast and I couldn't hear. I really couldn't hear what what she had heard and what she was accusing me of. So I sent her a voicemail back and I said, hey, it's all good. Um, I'm not hearing what, what you're saying, but you know, here's the link, have a listen in again. And if you feel that you don't want this to go out or you know, you feel in any way that you're misrepresented, I'll hold off on it. I won't put it out. Um, because I think it's important. It's important that you feel you're coming across in the way that you want to come across for your audience. And later on that day, I got another message back from her. And she said, Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear what what I'd said about you dismissing thought. Um, it's actually a really, really good podcast. You know, <laughs> that made me smile and it made me laugh because all through her reaction with me, I could see she was caught up. I could see that she was playing this scenario in her head that she really felt was real. Her experience of her thought, feeling, connection was completely real. And in that, she felt she had to do something with it. I felt so grateful, to be honest, that I didn't feel that same way when I heard how she was speaking to me, which really wasn't very pleasant. 
I was pleased that I had compassion. I had compassion for her because I know that, that she works exactly the same way that you and I do. She's creating her experience from the inside out. There's some thought in there that's turned into a story or a belief and she's really aware of it, very conscious of it. And it seems to absolutely make sense to her at that time until she was presented with the actual reality of what was recorded. And it just made me really curious about how often as human beings we do that. You know, we, we, we meet people and we talk to people and we presume we know who those people are. We presume we know everything about them because they've been in our life for years and we know about their habits, their relationships, their work, their hobbies, <laughs> what they like, what they don't like. And then I realised that we never, ever, ever meet the same person twice. Heck, we don't even meet ourselves the same twice. Because in each and every moment of our life, we're changing, we're evolving, we're learning new things, we're letting go of old ideas and stale thoughts and stories that no longer serve us. Yet, often, when we think about ourselves and we think about other people, we're seeing them through that stale veil of thought of how we think they should be. And in that state, what actually happens is it's kind of like, you know, you ever been with a kid or, 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 or as a, <laughs> a grown-up human being, you know, you've either, you see a yellow car and all of a sudden, all you see is yellow cars. You see a pregnant woman, and all of a sudden, all you see is pregnant women everywhere. When we are looking at someone through that stale veil of thought, we're actually unconsciously looking for what we know to be true, what we know to be real, what we know to be correct in our experience of that person. So we're looking for the things that we love about them or we're looking for the things that we don't like about them or we're looking for the things that confirm to us why this person isn't a nice person. God knows I've had bosses that, that I've been like that with. I'm constantly checking in with myself and confirming I don't like you because X, Y and Z. There, you've just proven it to me. Isn't it curious? Isn't it curious that we don't meet people always from a space of curiosity? Like, I wonder how they're going to be today. I wonder how they're going to show up. I wonder what I'm going to be like today. <laughs> I wonder how I'm going to show up. I love that. I love not knowing how I'm going to show up. I love not knowing what I'm going to say. 
I love not knowing how I'm going to be. Because all I have is now. Right now. I'd love to be able to predict the future. <laughs> I really would. And I'm sure you guys would too. And I only ever, when the past comes to mind, focus on the things that were loving and kind. Life really is unknown. And oh my gosh, I would be such a rich woman if I put a pound in a jar for every time one of my clients says to me, Jackie, I'm scared of the unknown. <laughs> I'm so sorry, but I find that incredibly funny. I find it funny because all we have is unknown. We just think we know. We think we know what's going to happen. We think we know how things are going to be. But we live in the unknown constantly. We do not know what's going to happen in the next minute, the next second. And that's why living in the now, living fully in this present moment, being open and curious to life, and not pretending that we know what's going to happen in the future, or not putting our thoughts on other people without knowing exactly what the truth is can cause feelings of anguish, anxiety, disharmony, hurtfulness. The unknown to me is like a huge playground. It's just like, like I'm a kid again. And I'm in this gorgeous playground with its asphalt ground, you know, it's, it's tough, but it's, you know, it's not going to hurt me too much if I fall. I get to play in the swings. I get to go really high. I get to go really low. <laughs> I get to just chill. I get to go in the roundabout and make myself so dizzy that I can feel kind of nauseated. I can fall down and scrape my knee, but get back up again. Life's a contact sport. We're going to bump up against things. We're going to bump up against people. But each and all of those experiences are this incredible way for us to learn more about ourselves, to learn more about others, to find what some people call the edges of our grounding, the edges of our understanding. And again, it's a phrase because there are no edges. <laughs> There's just this opportunity to see what you haven't seen yet. So with my experience earlier on that I spoke about with this, this person um, that I'd interviewed in the podcast, I got to see, even in that kind of situation where I didn't particularly like where the person was coming from, I got to see how much I've evolved and changed. I got to see and have compassion for where, where that person was coming from. 
I got to see that I'm less quick to judge and I'm more willing to understand. I also got to see that humour, lightheartedness, is, is my default state. And that comes from this beautiful space of, of love, absolute love for whatever is happening to me in the moment and whatever is happening for someone else. So I didn't need to judge anything. I just needed to try to understand and I got curious enough to understand and then respond instead of reacting. And that felt good. It felt so good. You know, throughout my time of of my children, our daughters growing up, you know, I could go from Zen mum to Tasmanian devil mum in a heartbeat and then back to Zen mum again. Even before I knew this understanding, that there was a recognition that there was this default space, this well-being within me that I could occasionally rock out of (laughs) and react to life and then rock back into and respond to life. And that's really what I got to see again more deeply after that experience of recording someone a long time ago and then the other person forgetting what they said and having built it up in their head, thinking that they didn't do as well as they wanted to, um, that they didn't come across the way they wanted to and they were concerned about what other people would think of them and the only way they felt they could deal with that was to attack. Yet the reality of it was, it was just a beautiful podcast, an absolutely beautiful podcast. So I guess none of us know what's going through the head of another person, even though we might like to think that we do. None of us meet the same person twice because people are always changing, their, their understanding's changing, their thoughts about life are changing, their education is changing, their skin is shedding. You know? <laughs> We're never the same. And that has taught me to hold life lightly, not to hold on to what I think life should be like or the way that people should be like. But just to to settle into a space of, here I am, what's going to happen today? What am I going to do? I think one of the most extreme examples of that was my daughter, got married, one of my daughters got married earlier on this year. And, um, you know, it was the usual palaver with wedding dresses and bridesmaid dresses and about six weeks before the wedding, I managed to herd the younger two daughters into the, the bridesmaid shop to get their bridesmaids dresses because they just 
oh, I don't know, they weren't interested in the, the process of how formal it all was. Having said that, they all had a fantastic time at the wedding. And so the bride's dress was sorted, the bridesmaid's dresses were sorted, and um, my dress, I hadn't sorted my dress out. And my daughter, the bride, started to get a bit concerned. And I said to her, oh, don't worry about it, I'll find something. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. I said, I, I don't want to go down that formal route of going into one of these mother of the bride shops. Um, you know, I, I know what a suit, I know what I like. Um, so yeah, I'll figure it out. So a week before the wedding, I still didn't have an outfit. <laughs> I wasn't bothered because I knew, I knew that I would find something that I liked. And oh my goodness, my daughter was climbing the walls. <laughs> she was like, mom, for God's sake, you know, the wedding's in a week. Why have you not got your dress? And I saw this dress online and I thought, that's the dress. And I sent away for it. I put it on and I felt like a princess. It was so lovely. It was navy blue. It was midnight blue, actually. And it was chiffon and it was down to my ankles. And oh my God, it felt so lovely. And I had a lovely sort of navy blue um, shawl thing to wear with it. And I told my daughter, I said, that's it, Megan. I've got the dress. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And she said, are you wearing a hat, mum? I said, oh, God, no. <laughs> I'm not a hat person. Why would I wear a hat? And two days before the wedding, I, um, I was in a, lo a local town. And I went into this shop that specialises in, in hats and things. And I just said to the women, I said, look, I'm not a hat person. I said, but, you know, jack me up. <laughs> I said, my daughter's weddings and two days. Can you do something? And she put this huge fuchsia pink hat on me. And I burst into tears. I totally burst into tears as I looked at myself in the mirror. Goodness, I'm almost doing it now. Because I saw something so beautiful in that moment. My outfit had come together. It was stunning. It was beautiful. There'd been no stress about it whatsoever. And I realised that all of my life I had been saying to myself, I am not a hat person, so I didn't wear hats. And in that store, that woman put a hat on me and it couldn't have been the more perfect hat ever if I had searched for that for 10 years. And I recognised how a single thought about who I think I am can limit my life. So then I got really curious. What else do I have these thoughts? Thoughts that are limiting me and how I live. How I'm showing up, how I'm being. And honestly, I'd ask you guys to do the same. One of my, one of my, my oh God, one of my loveliest clients, she said to me, 
I don't wear dangly earrings. And about three months later, her and her daughter were, were making some jewellery and she made a pair of dangly earrings and she put them on and she was like, oh my God, I really suit dangly earrings. <laughs> so she saw too that a single thought, a belief about who we think we are stops us, stops us from being, stops us from playing, stops us from experimenting about life. Hold life lightly. Hold life lightly knowing that you have absolutely no freaking idea about anything other than what's presented to you in this moment. Hold your thoughts lightly, knowing that all they're doing is giving you information. They're not giving you facts. They're not giving you truths about yourself. It's just information that's flying through. Kind of like, you know, the ticker tape or the, the news that flows along at the bottom of the screen. It's just information. You can do with it what you want. You can ignore it. You can be interested in it. You can do whatever you want with it. All thought is neutral. It means nothing. All thought is transient. It moves. It never stays. Even people who say they're depressed, oh, I'm depressed 24-7. You're never going to be depressed 24-7 because you're going to sleep in those 24 hours. And I guarantee you're not having depressive thoughts while you're sleeping 24 hours a day. In fact, there's a story um, about you know, an elderly grandmother who, who complained of being incredibly depressed. And um, she was speaking with her therapist and the therapist said to her, does anybody ever come to visit? And she says, oh yeah, I love it. I love it when my grandchildren come to visit. We have such fun. But then when they leave, I'm depressed again. It's natural for us to move in and out of these states of mind. And the less attention we pay to it, the less impact it has on us. So again, all thought is neutral, it's impermanent, it means nothing, it's transient. And it doesn't actually belong to you. <laughs> it's just doing its thing. It doesn't belong to any of us. And most of it is on repeat. Probably about 95% of what you think on a day-to-day -day basis is on repeat. Check in with that. It's hysterical when you start to recognise the patterns of thinking that you have, when you have it, how it happens, who it's in response to. And instead of having this, oh, this is serious, you know, start to see it for what it is. Nothing. Just information. I um spoke recently um, to the members of my Missing Link book club, which is starting again soon. It starts in a couple of months. And um, I told them about an experience that I'd had. I had been down in the local post office and I was, oh my God, I was in such a Zen space. 
I was really living in my well-being, really in in essence. And I saw this little old woman and, and it was obvious that she hadn't really been speaking to people, you know, much or getting about much. And she was just having the best time in the post office, speaking to other people, taking her time, getting done what she needed to get done. And all I had was just these gorgeous feelings of love and understanding. I thought, how beautiful. Isn't that lovely? Everybody's responding to her so beautifully. And it's so nice that she she feels what she's feeling right now. And I thought, no more about it. And then I was back down in the post office about four or six weeks later. And to be honest, I was in a bit of a rush. I had things that I needed to do and, you know, places I needed to be and people I needed to see, you know, the usual. And my state of mind was a bit lower than normal because I was caught up in my head. And that same little woman was in the post office and she was doing exactly the same thing she did before, speaking to people, enjoying the feeling, taking her time, you know, reveling in the attention that she was getting. And instead of that beautiful, loving feeling that I'd had before about how perfect that moment was, all I could hear in my own head was, hurry up, bitch. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, Jackie, really? <laughs> Where did that thought come from? I was in a different state of mind. The circumstances hadn't changed. The only thing that had changed was how I was thinking about what was going on. I was lost. I was lost in my intellectual mind. I was lost in my egoic mind. I was lost in personal thinking. There are so many damn phrases for this. You choose what works for you. Again, it was an invitation to, to build that spiritual muscle of understanding that, oh my God, this is the way life works. The circumstances were exactly the same. The only thing that had changed was me and my state of mind. There are opportunities everywhere, every moment for you and for me to see life more deeply. That's such a gift. All these invitations to wake up to become more conscious, more aware, more settled, more loving, more understanding, more compassionate, not only to others, but to yourself. Notice them. Please notice them. Don't chase the insights. Sometimes they'll come and you'll see them very clearly. Other times they'll come and it's just a, a visceral feeling. You feel that you've seen something, that something has changed, but you won't know what it is. Elsie calls that insight without content. I've learned over the years to be very, very, very lazy with what I see. I don't chase it. I don't examine it. 
to be honest, I'm not interested. I want to live life. I want to enjoy the moment and not get caught up in intellectual thinking unless it's something that I have to do intellectually. I want to be in the moment as much as possible. And what I find is living that way, I'm constantly surprised. I'm constantly surprised by what's changed, which brings me full circle to what I started discussing at the beginning of this podcast. I didn't know that I would respond the way I responded to the person who who spoke to me in a way that, that wasn't very kind or very loving and was very accusatory. I didn't know until I was in that situation. So by being in life and doing things, we get to see what we haven't seen yet. So don't hold yourself back. Do things, live life, try things. Even if you're feeling anxious about being in a crowd of people or you're feeling upset about, you know, someone that you know and you kind of want to reach out to them and speak to them about something or there's a business decision you need to make or you want to start creating something, do it. Just do it. Because in that doing, there's always learning. Even if it's learning how ramped up your thinking becomes, it's an opportunity for you to notice how your operating system is working, to notice where your state of mind is, and to see thought and action. But to notice noticing those thoughts, not becoming those thoughts. And even if you do something and it doesn't work out the way you expected it to work out, know that it's worked out the way that it was meant to work out. And in that scenario, again, you're seeing something new, you're seeing something fresh, you're learning. Years ago, when our kids were were younger, you know, we used to sit around the dinner table and we'd say to them, you know, what went well in school today? You know, what happened? How, how was it? And they'd talk about it. And then we'd say, what did you feel that you didn't enjoy? And they would talk about that too. And then the last thing we'd say to them was, what do you feel that you failed at today? And they would talk about that too. And what that has done, it's given our daughters a way to talk about their feelings, to hear themselves say what they're thinking. Because often in this saying what you're thinking, you get to hear. You get to hear often the ridiculousness of thought and action. It also taught our daughters not to be afraid of failure. Failure is a word, it's a concept, it's an idea, it's, it's loaded with all of these, these, these intentions and, and, and feelings of not good enough, shouldn't do that again. When in fact, by trying, 
and something not working out the way you want it to, there is this huge opportunity to learn to do it differently. In essence, that's what life is. Babies don't start walking and then all of a sudden fall down and say, well, that's it, I'm never going to get back up again. That's me, I'm in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. Do they? Kids don't start painting and then think, oh, um, I'm rubbish at this, I'm never going to paint again at the age of two. Somewhere along the line, we all fail at things. And then a thought comes in that we shouldn't do that again. Or someone tells us we shouldn't, you know, we're rubbish. And from that, we live a life from a very, very limited space. I'm not a hat person. I'm not a dangly ear, earrings person. I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't sing. I can't have my own business. My relationships, I can't have a decent relationship. All of those sentences and the sentence structure become a memory in your mind, in your brain. And as Sid points to, the brain and the mind are completely different. Your brain is biological. Its duty is to keep your body working, to make sure that your oxygen levels and your carbon dioxide levels are you know, in balance, to make sure that you are storing and retrieving information, to keep an equilibrium in your body fluids. You know, if you're dehydrated, your body will hold on to some water inside you. And I'm sure ladies, <laughs> you've been on a holiday, you'll notice that when your ankles start to swell when you're dehydrated. Also, your brain controls all of the cells in your body. Renewal, replenishment, healing. Signals are being passed all the time. It's interesting, isn't it? How we can take a thought and make it a reality and then live our life from that space. Your mind is spiritual. The brain is biological and the mind is spiritual. And by spiritual, I mean oh, beyond explanation. Life's just this incredible adventure. It really is an adventure. Say yes, say yes to it all. Experience it, love it, live it, learn from it. And know, know that you're always okay. Thank you for listening. 
I've just been sitting, staring out of my window, watching a pheasant walk up and down the driveway um, as he sort of forages for some seed. It's a gloomy day in Scotland today. But my heart is full. You could be larger than life, bigger than 